We often hear about people who do things that are identified as extreme. For instance, very often in sports, we hear about some extreme endeavors, extreme sports. For instance, I was talking to Ricky about this earlier. There is a thing called ultra-marathoning. You know, to run a marathon, you run 26.2 miles. But there are people who are not content with that. That's not enough. They go. They need to go farther. And so there are some extreme marathoners who might run over a hundred miles in a, in a in a race. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the physical body being able to do run for a hundred miles? That's extreme. I'll tell you, that's extreme. There are some people who are extreme about their diets, you know, and they they're very health conscious. And so maybe they'll only eat things that have been organically grown. They wouldn't go to a regular supermarket. They've got to, they've got to find special food that meets organic growing standards, and, and that's what they want. And so they're extreme about their diet. Now, people like that, I think, generally get our admiration. You know, anybody who could run for over 100 miles, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by that. I'm so impressed. Or anybody who's so careful about their diet, I don't tell you, I think that's really commendable. That's a good thing to be extremely careful about your diet. Most of us are just not that careful. And so we commend people, we admire people who would take those kinds of precautions about their diet. And so those kinds of extremes are to be admired. But you know, there is an area where people do not admire extreme, and that is in regards to religion. In fact, people are warned to beware of the extremist when it comes to religion. Have you heard folks being accused of being religious? Oh, he's a religious extremist. You really need to be careful about that guy. He is an extremist about religion. You know who they're talking about? They're talking about us. They're talking about people like us and our approach to religion. And it's identified as being extreme. And people should really be careful about the extremist in religion. What about that? Are those people right to issue those kinds of warnings? Beware of the extremists. Are their fears and warnings legitimate? Are they justified? Should we really be concerned about extremism in religion? That's what we want to talk about in our lesson tonight and hopefully make some points that uh, will be helpful. Uh, What about extremism in religion? Thanks for being here tonight. We have not had the perfect weather day today. Uh, but the fact that we have been able to make it through and come back for an hour, another hour of worship is a good thing. And we're glad that you've come to join in this tonight. Thanks for being here. And thanks for the encouragement you give us by your presence. Thanks for your participation. Uh, we need, we need these times together and it fortifies us, I think, as we are set to begin another week, uh, uh in the world. We need the strength that comes from times together like this, and we're glad that you appreciate the value of them. Thanks for being here tonight. First of all, I'd just like to make a few observations about this accusation of extremism. Concerning those who charge us, for instance, with being extremists, have you noticed that it's always the other guy who's the extremist, never the speaker? You know, you usually don't get somebody saying, I'm, I'm an extremist, I acknowledge that, and I'm glad to say so. No, he, he, usually it's always someone accusing another person of being an extremist. Also, I think it's clear that the charge is used to provoke a prejudice. In other words, they would call you an extremist. Oh, wow, he's an extremist. You don't want anything to do with him. He's just a, he's a crazy extremist, you know. 
And so it's a prejudicial term, and it's used that way. It's intended that way. I think that's certainly clear. Furthermore, isn't it interesting that the guy who accuses another of being an extremist, he's, he's less concerned with truth than he is with the possibility that someone might label him as an extremist. You know, oh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't care so much about what the Bible says, but please don't call me an extremist. It's almost like being identified as an extremist is the worst possible thing that could happen. And so the, the, the guy who makes that accusation, he's not really worried, so much worried about the truth as he is. He sure doesn't want to be viewed as an extremist, right? All of those things should probably alert us to the fact that this name is not really legitimately used. And this, and this charge or this accusation of extremism is probably really not well understood and not accurately applied to people. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about some things that do not make in a person an extremist, okay? Remember, we're the ones who are being accused of being extremists in religion. I think we can say that we can prove from the Bible that you are not a, an, uh, uh, a wrong, extreme uh, practitioner of religion just because certain things are true. For instance... You are not an extremist just because you insist on Bible authority for all teaching and practice. You know, our approach to religion is really, I think, a simple one. And it is, we want to read the Bible. We want to see what it says. We want to learn what we're instructed to do. And then we want to do it. We want to do Bible things in Bible ways. We want to call Bible things by Bible names. We want to have book, chapter, and verse authority for our practices we want to be able to quote Scripture and show from the Word of God why we're doing what we do the way we do it. That is our approach. Now, of course, that's not real common in the religious world. To have that kind of commitment to, the, to scriptural authority and to insist that if you're going to do it, you've got to be able to show from the Bible that it's right to do it, that, that kind of diligence is not common in the religious world and therefore the accusation you all are taking an extreme approach to your religion. That's extreme to demand Bible authority for everything. But of course, it's not extreme when we know that the Holy Spirit, by inspiration, instructed that we should do that. Colossians 3.17, we know, well, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We've often explained that that phrase there, that in the name of the Lord Jesus, is exactly a statement of, of authority. We must have authority for all we do, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So uh, demanding authority is not extreme. We're actually instructed to do that. In fact, as we've studied, we know that it is in the very nature of God to expect and require close adherence to what he has told. For instance, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, used the example of the instructions given to Moses. Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for, See, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. We've just recently in our daily Bible readings been reading all of that about the details of the tabernacle and how it was to be made and I mean, it's intricate. It's really detailed. And so Moses comes down from the mountain and he says, you know, 
God gave me all these instructions, but I just don't think it's all that important. Is it really? Is it really necessary? We'll just, we'll just throw something up, you know, whatever uh, fits our fancy. We're not gonna, we're not gonna really be careful to do it just exactly like God said. Can you imagine Moses, Moses taking that approach? It's not even possible to imagine that, is it? We would, we would say about Moses, he better, he better make it like God said. He very well better do it just the way God said. Oh, wait a minute. Does that make Moses an extremist because he made the tabernacle just like God said? No. We would say Moses was doing the right thing. He was told, you see to it that you make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. Moses was not an extremist to do that, and neither are we when we insist on Bible authority for everything we teach and practice. One is not an extremist just because he rejects human traditions in religion. You know, a lot of people assume that if everyone is doing it, it must therefore be okay. I mean, everybody's doing it that way. And so if we do it that way, it's okay. It is the traditional way of doing things. And if you don't do it that way, if you don't do it like most everybody else is doing it, you are weird. You are an extremist. You know, probably the easy example of that is the matter of instrumental music. The vast majority of religious denominations use instrumental music in their worship services. And so that's normal. Everybody considers it to be normal. But when they find out that we don't use instrumental music and that we just sing, and we go to Bible authority to prove that, by the way, when we back up and say, well, the reason we do that is because we have Bible authority for singing but not for playing of instruments in New Testament worship, and they say, well, but everybody's doing it that way. It's the, it's the traditional way these days to worship God with instruments of music, and you don't do it, therefore, you must be an extremist in religion. No, you're not an extremist because you reject human tradition in favor of doing it the way the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, Jesus said, but in vain do they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. We've pointed out that word vain before, and I think this is such a powerful verse. Vain means worthless, good for nothing. Your worship can be worthless or good for nothing if you teach for doctrines the commandments of men. So Jesus says here, it's right to reject human traditions. It's not extreme. In fact, it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reject human traditions. We're supposed to follow what is authorized in the Word of God. You are not an extremist simply because you refuse to encourage false teachers in any way. The idea that I have in mind here is the very popular concept that says, I'm okay, you're okay. In other words, we don't, we're not doing the same thing religiously we differ on several significant matters, but I'm willing to let it be that way. I'm okay, you're okay, is an expression that has developed to, to sort of describe that. Or we sometimes hear people talking about, uh, we agree to disagree. We, we disagree, but we're in agreement to disagree. We, we agree to disagree. Or, of course, the phrase that has been around for several decades now is the idea of unity in diversity which is an oxymoron itself, of course, a self-contradictory statement. You can't be united when you are divergent, but they say that they are. They have unity in diversity. 
Well, what about that? You mean you don't agree with that? You don't agree with the idea of unity and diversity? You won't encourage people to pursue their own religious practice? It may not agree with yours, but give them the right hand of fellowship. Encourage them right along, even though they do things much differently than you do. You should, you should support them in that. And you won't? You mean you don't? Well, you must be some kind of a nutty religious extremist if you can't encourage others in their own choice of religious practice. No, we are not an extremist when we refuse to encourage false teachers in any way. Look what we read in Second John, beginning verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? So we're not to encourage, we're not to support or encourage those who are not following the truth of God. And it is, therefore, it is not an extreme position. Now, I would agree that it's not common, but it's, it's not extreme to take that view because we're actually told to do so in the New Testament. One is not an extremist simply because he openly challenges others to give authority for their practices. Now, notice up here we said we insist on Bible authority for what we teach in practice. And here we're saying... Therefore, we also expect others to do the same thing. We are willing to say, here's why we do what we're doing by Bible authority. We have Bible authority for it. And we expect you, talking to others in the religion, we expect that you should do the same. We're willing to be challenged in questions. Why do you do it that way? Well, we'll give you a Bible answer for that. But we think you ought to be able to do that too. In fact, we actually insist that you should give authority for your religious practices. Um, so we're not just doing it. Our, we're not just demanding of us. We're willing to do it ourselves, but it is certainly necessary. We want you to tell us what's your authority for doing those things. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus was questioned about his authority for what he was doing. Matthew 21, beginning verse 23. When he was come to the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? You know, if you stopped right there, that is actually a fair question. And what they asked Jesus was a reasonable thing. Uh, By what authority do you do these things, and who gave you that authority? Well, Jesus knew that their hearts were not true and their motives were not pure. And so Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say to us, Why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said to them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But you get the point. The point of this is, They were asking a reasonable thing, and I'm sure Jesus would have been willing to answer their challenge if he judged their hearts to be true and pure and their motives to be upright. He knew they weren't. And so he, and he exposed that by asking them about what they thought of the baptism of John. He exposed that they had impure motives. And, and for that reason, he would not answer their challenge or, or their question. But the whole of that context suggests the idea that Bible authority is a right thing, and expecting others to produce Bible authority for what they do is a right thing, 
And we are not extremists when we follow that procedure. You see that? One is not an extremist just because he calls the names of men who teach error and cause division. Oh man, don't do any name calling. I mean, for some reason, and, and this is true even in the Lord's church, for some reason folks get really upset if any names are named. You know, if you name a specific religious group, or if you even identify maybe a specific individual false teacher, people get really upset about it. Now, for some reason, it's not so in other areas. For instance, in politics. I don't tell you, I'm, I can name names in politics. I can tell you some of them that I don't agree with and I don't like what they're doing. And there's a whole pack of them up there in Washington, D.C. and we can, we can list their names off. And we think they're really doing a poor job of governing our country. And we could talk about politics here in our local community. And we could talk about some people that we think are, are not doing a good job and may even be corrupt in their, in their political practices. We'll name names, man. We'll name names when it comes to politics. And when it comes to sports, we can name names. And if there's a player that we don't like and we don't, we don't appreciate how he plays a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game, we'll name his name and we'll tell you what's wrong with him and what he ought to change. But man, when it comes to, to religion, don't name names. Because if you do, I want to tell you, people say you are a real fanatic. You are a religious extremist if you name names. Well, wait a minute. What did the Apostle Paul do in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, beginning? Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Wait a minute, Paul. You, you actually identified some false teachers there. And he, he, he not only called their names, he said they had erred. He told what their error in doctrine was and that they were guilty of leading others astray. Well, Paul, come on now, you can't name names. Well, you begin to get the idea that it is a right thing to name names. It's not a bad thing. Uh, in fact, if you name names of false teachers, you're in good company uh, you're in the company of the Apostle Paul who did exact, exactly that. You are not an extremist. You are not an extremist just because you confront those who are practicing error. Now, when it comes to religion, most people have an idea of what they like or what they prefer, how they like to see things done. And they, have their, they have their opinion and they may disagree with other people, but they're their approach to this is, if you disagree, just keep it to yourself, okay? If you disagree, please keep your mouth shut. You can disagree, but we'd just like you not to talk about it. Don't tell anybody that you disagree. Because if you, if you express your disagreement, then we're going to call you an extremist. I want to tell you, we can use the Apostle Paul as an example again. When he saw error being practiced, he spoke up. And forcefully, so you remember this episode in Galatians 2, beginning verse 11. When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, and the text goes on to describe the conversation he had with Peter, 
You see what he did? Wait a minute. That's Peter. That's the Apostle Peter, a recognized leader in the early church, one of the inspired apostles, but he was wrong here, right? What Peter, or what did Paul do about Peter? Uh, I, I just, I, I tell you, I just think Peter's wrong about that, but I just got to keep it to myself. I wouldn't want anybody to think I'm an extremist, so I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to keep it to myself. No. He, he says he withstood Peter to the face. And he said to Peter before all the others that were being influenced by Peter that he was wrong. Certainly, you are not an extremist just because you confront those who are practicing error. You are not an extremist just because you press the truth with conviction. Have you ever heard somebody who is described as too religious? I have. You know, oh, that guy, he's just too religious. You know, he's just overdone with it. He just carried away. I mean, that, he, he, that, it seems like that's the most important thing in his life is his religion. Really. And, and that's supposed to be a bad thing. Well, we're supposed to, to, to think that it's bad to be totally committed to your religious belief and practice. Oh, you're just too religious. You're an extremist. You're a fanatic. Well, no, not when we read verses like Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. There's so many statements like that in the Scriptures that tell us we're to give ourselves totally to the pursuit of our religious service to God. You are not an extremist simply because you press the truth with conviction. You are not an extremist when you call for erring brethren to be marked and disciplined. You just won't let it rest, will you? I mean, you're so, you're so adamant about all of this stuff. You just, I mean, you're just overboard. And, and so you just keep pressing and pressing. And, and here's, a, here's a classic example. You, you all, you just press it so hard, you just won't let it rest, will you? If you find some brother who's erring, you, you insist that he should be marked and disciplined for his error. And that's just, I want to tell you, that's just extreme. You know, this business of church discipline in general is just an extreme thing. I can't believe that you all do that. You are such extremists. Really? You really think that's an extreme thing to do? Now, we're not saying we like it, and we're not saying it's easy, but you really think it's an extreme thing? How can you say that when that's exactly what the Word of God tells us we're supposed to do? In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. That's what we're told to do. We're instructed. That's really plain. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, Now we command, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. That's really plain. Finally, let me suggest to you, you are not an extremist simply because you stand for the truth, even if others will not. Uh, what about a man who is willing to take a stand for things that are not all that popular, that are not in the mainstream, as it is often described? What about a fellow who takes a stand for things that are not considered normal or average? Well, the world says... That's extreme. It, it, you're really extreme if you stand for the truth even when lots of people around you are going a different direction and you're doing this, but they're all doing that. 
if, if you're not staying in the mainstream, you know, if you're not going along with the flow, if you're not staying with the crowd, you are an extremist. Well, according to Jesus, Jesus said we ought to actually expect that we would not be in the mainstream. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning verse 34, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Jesus predicted that when people would truly serve him, as instructed in the Scriptures, that it would cause issues. And that we wouldn't be uh, able to go along with the, with the flow and just sort of fit in and stay in the mainstream. Jesus said that he, that he knew that his teaching, when honestly applied, would cause issues. And, and people wouldn't necessarily all agree about that. And so we are not an extremist just because we're determined to stand for the truth, even if others will not. What about that? And so what have we got there? We've got uh, nine, nine, nine observations about what is not extreme in religion. You might think of some other things that we could add to that list or some other wording of things that we could add to that list. But you be, what I really want to stress to you is people throw that accusation out. You're just an extremist. And they, they would charge us for being an extremist for some of these very reasons. And I think we can prove from the Bible that that is not an extreme approach to our religion because we do those things. Let me suggest to you this. Wouldn't it be better to be extremely right by following the truth than to be extremely wrong for rejecting it? Would you agree with that statement? I want to be extremely right, don't you? And we want to, we should be constantly striving to be more and more like God wants us to be. It's not an extreme approach to religion. It is, I think, clearly from the scriptures, the way God wants us to serve Him. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. Hope it's been helpful. If we're living the way we should, and if we're teaching the things we ought to, it's unavoidable that some in the religious world who are so lackadaisical in their approach to religion, it's, it, it's unavoidable. They're going to think we're extreme. In fact, I would say this. If we're not being accused from time to time of being extremist, we're not doing enough and we're not doing it right. Uh, pursuing religion uh, in the way that the Lord wants us to will bring that accusation inevitably. We need to, 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 we need to accept it. It is, it is what it is. Thanks for listening. Right, we're going to sing a song of invitation, as we always do. If you're not a Christian yet, but you're ready and, and anxious to obey the gospel plan of salvation, then we're ready to, to assist you, and we're anxious to do that too. And so please let us know how we can help. We'd be glad to study more. If you're a Christian already, but you need the prayers of the saints, we'd be glad to do that. Let us know how we can help while we stand and sing this song.